Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Buckle up, because it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a wild ride. No one cares, but we're going to tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. Biden's America, baby. We won, and we're so happy. Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm Katie. And I'm McKay. On this day that this episode comes out, Michaela is aging up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like my the Sims, Sims time. <laughs> I literally just said that. We're both like the Sims. Oh, God. So yeah, she's celebrating 24 years of and katie let me pick the episode topic for this week because obviously my birthday so i of course always want to talk about star wars so we thought that we would take it back to the prequels my original favorites of star wars they Mm -hmm. were my originals i hadn't had seen the ones uh, the originals like four five and six before i had seen these so these were my first star wars movies ever and i love them i can't wait to talk about them yeah and these were also my introduction to the series as well i still to this day haven't really seen four five and six i've seen like mostly four i don't know if i've seen it seen it all the way through but i've never seen five and six what had happened was i had the lego star wars video game on playstation 2 way back in the day honey way way back and michaela would come over to play we would play it for hours we would play for hours hours and we would get so frustrated and we'd be like stuck on a level in phantom menace that pod race scene or whatever we got Mm -hmm. stuck on that level for a straight day and we were so mad and we were like throwing down the controller and everything in anger and my dad felt so bad for us that he took us to red robin (laughs) Bless you, Mr. Healy. Because we couldn't win the level. It was so bad, but good memories. And then and that level had nothing on the Mustafa level. Yeah, that one was also really difficult. Yeah. But yeah, and we used to play that game all the time, but I'd never seen the movies. And then once I finished the game, I was like, oh, I want to watch these movies. So I had seen one, two, and three before. And I think I said this in our last episode, but of all the Star Wars films, like these... Three are the ones that I'm, like, most willing to watch because I did enjoy them as a kid. I'm a sucker for an origin story. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited to talk about these. I, Michaela thinks that I, like, didn't want to watch these. And I feel like mm-hmm. if you listen to our first ever episode on the pod, I did a little bit of shitting on Star Wars. But true Star Wars fans. Like, I hate Star Wars fans in general because anyone who says that they like Star Wars seems to just love to hate on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they say, the the prequels are absolute trash. They see the they say the sequels are absolute trash. When the originals came out, the originals were trash. It's yeah. like I don't get why it seems like a lot of Star Wars fans spend most of their time hating on Star Wars. Like yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm gonna put that out there right now. When I say that I'm a huge Star Wars fan, I do not read all the books behind the histories. I have not watched the Clone Wars, like the animated series that is on my watch list. I have not got around to watching that yet. I just really enjoy the movies. I like to like them. Mm-hmm. So if you are just here to like 
hear us shit on these, like, that's not what we're gonna be doing. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna criticize them in certain ways, but, I mean, if you're one of those Star Wars fans who hates these, like, this is not gonna be your cup of tea then. Yeah, we're not gonna, like, be making fun of it, like, in our cringe series, because I didn't, like, certain moments were cringe, but I think it's just, like, any movie from the 90s, early 2000s, like, Mm -hmm. can be kind of cringy. So, I don't know, understand why people may not like them, but also I think people are missing the point in a way Mm -hmm. so we can get into that i also remember playing with the star wars figurines michaela and i used to play this game that we invented called polly's versus star wars (laughs) i was gonna bring that up oh my god do you want to talk about it my brother had all of the star wars action figures and i had a few action figures of star wars and then i had a bunch of polly pockets so whenever katie would come over (laughs) and we would play Katie would always make me be the Polly Pockets. And yep. of course, the Polly Pockets always had to lose. Yeah. Like, beat <laughs> the Jedi. And it was just so funny. And especially from the second movie, Attack of the Clones, that one assassin at the beginning with the face. I yep. so distinctly remember I had, like, a removable face. So it was, like, her normal face. And then you could peel it off. And it was her, like, green melted face underneath. I specifically so remember Padme just hanging from a chain. And I would, like, fly <laughs> her over the Pollys. And she would just knock out a bunch of Pollys. Because it was in her execution execution outfit from the second one and she had the little loop stuck in her back I don't know why So guys, we aren't going to talk about each movie individually, really, because that would be just too long of an episode before we talk about like each one individually, characters, everything. So what Katie and I kind of want to do is quick at the beginning here, we're going to give each other 60 seconds to talk about any random things from each movie that we just wanted to note of, things that we thought were funny, that stuck out, that don't really fit into the overall conversation that we want to aim this towards. So should we just start off doing like Phantom Menace yeah Attack of the Clones Revenge of the Sith so I will pull up my timer Katie and okay. you have so 60 seconds or less for any random Phantom Menace thoughts all right ready yes set go okay I hate the little braid in Obi-Wan Kenobi's hair it is a rat tail and gross and disgusting I really enjoyed the dynamic between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Kenobi they're like really cool calm and collected and I just like their little brotherhood and when Qui-Gon dies, like, you can tell that they really love each other, and it's just sad. I never know what the hell Jar Jar Binks is saying, and he honestly annoyed me. The political stuff was really hard for me to follow. I was Googling a lot to try and keep up because I really wanted to understand, and it all just went over my head. It feels like at some points they're trying to flex with the special effects, but it's, like, comes off as outdated now, which, again, like, might contribute to why people like to shit on these films now. I love Queen Amidala and Padme, like, best character. I think that is so dope. No! Okay, her fashion, her makeup, her refusal to back down, and the decoy thing, I just love. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed really short. Three, two, one, go. Okay, first off, just the joy that I feel when I hear the Star Wars theme song and those opening credits start rolling, I think it would be comparable to a parent seeing their newborn child for the first time. Like, that is how excited it makes me. Oh my God. Um, Phantom Menace is my least favorite of the prequels. I know everyone hates Jar Jar Banks, but I do think he's a little endearing for me. I don't like him, but I definitely don't hate him as much as other people do. He is, like, a bit of comedic relief in times, though, way too much. Anakin's line, I'm a person and my name is Anakin, literally kill me. I cannot wait to talk about his character. 
character. The pod racing scene is my absolute favorite from this film. That one sticks out in my mind from the first movie from my childhood the most. His promise when he says, I will come back and free you, mom, I promise, rip my heart out. Little Anakin is so cute. Overall, it's definitely not the best. And Darth Maul used to give me nightmares. Like, real bad nightmares. Wow, seven seconds to spare. I can talk quickly. <laughs> I guess I was just a failure at that. Yeah, Darth, I love that fight scene. Attack of the Clones. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, so for this one, I really started to feel annoyed for Anakin. Like, no one trusts him, and he's always right, and it's just annoying. I love the peaceful transfer of power between the new Queen of Naboo and Padme and, like, how the new Queen supports Padme and, like, her seat on the Senate is super dope. Um, it's interesting to see how the clones are made, but I'm confused. The anger we see with, like, his mom dying is super visceral and I thought is, like, Hayden Christensen's one of his best acting moments in these. Obi-Wan is low-key annoying as fuck and he's always like, oh, I hope Anakin isn't fucking up right now. And meanwhile, like, Anakin is going to save his ass. All his emotions are understandable. The conflict of everyone calling him gifted and, like, the best they've ever seen, but then also, like, holding him back. Like, I just feel him so hard. I don't know. Like, they, I feel like they should know that they're creating a monster and, like, making him suppress his emotions. It's just toxic. I totally agree. Everyone loves the character of Obi-Wan and Get I out. like Obi-Wan but I think he is like very overhyped in my opinion but I'd like to get into that more later me too so I liked your thoughts on that three two one go Hayden Christensen is my original crush even with the stupid little braid in his hair <laughs> he still just like does it for me okay Padme and Anakin falling in love in this movie I have more thoughts later but their wedding at the end is beautiful the song beautiful I love a good forbidden mm -hmm. romance and they were like my original ship and I think why I love forbidden romance so much it like I think it stems back from oh, this oh interesting um the execution scene where Padme Anakin and Obi-Wan are all tied to the posts used to be one of my favorite scenes when I was a kid it's still a great scene then when all the Jedi come in it's so cool when Obi-Wan goes to check out the clone army the lady with the really long neck oh my god I loved her action figure that I had when I was younger she's a queen yeah um the line Count Dooku was once a Jedi he couldn't assassinate anyone it's not in his character also goes to further prove the shock of when Anakin could flip to the dark side as being a Jedi for everyone and I wasn't strongest enough to save you mom but I will not fail you again Anakin says after his mother dies gets me every time oh, I love it <laughs> sorry that was trickier yeah okay revenge of the sith i don't have as many notes for this one because really? it was more just like overall thematic stuff okay well sounds good three two one go i feel like people like to make fun of hayden christensen and the way he says his lines but you can tell that he is trying to capture the dialect of darth vader which would be like hard to do because it's literally james earl jones which like the two of them are not the same. Just, like, what would you do if you were in this situation? Like, you're having dreams about your mom dying, and then she dies, and everyone's like, no, you have to do your duty, and then you have the same dreams about your girlfriend, and, like, no one wants to help you, no one believes you, and they're, like, gaslighting the fuck out of you. Like, just what would you do in this situation? So frustrating. And... I don't know. I think the dialogue between Anakin and Padme is bad. And that's why, like, the relationship stuff is lacking a little bit. And the ending with Padme would have been way stronger if I believed the love story more. But it just felt like two actors acting in the end. Cool. Just wrapping up in time. Three, two, one, go.
This was one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters, and I remember go getting pulled out of school to go see it and falling in love with it, and I literally wanted my license plate when I grew up and could drive to be Star Wars 3. I'm not even kidding. Hayden Christensen and this movie is my ideal fucking man. I would let him force choke me into oblivion. His hair, his robes, the robotic hand, the scars, everything. Oh I'm so here for it. I think this is where my love of villains also started and my love of a good sad boy. I genuinely love everything about this movie. The opening sequence, Pad Padme and Anakin's forbidden love, his downfall, the final battle, everything, the fight on Mustafar. Genuinely one of the best Star Wars scenes ever. Probably my favorite of all time, actually. My powers have doubled since the last time we fought. Count, Anakin is a great Jedi and super powerful and that only highlights that. And like you said, Katie, he was gaslighted this whole time by the Jedi and I will not let that go. And also, I love the shot of Dooku where he has one red lightsaber and one blue, such a powerful foreshadowing, and displays his inner turmoil. And then following that dark decision, you see him refuse to leave Obi-Wan. What a display of him being torn between good and bad. That's awful. <laughs> <Dude>, crap. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when it's like the red and the blue. Yeah. And the, that's really good. And real quick, I just want to touch on the gaslighting. Um, when uh, Anakin goes to Yoda for advice, and Yoda's like, you have to just train yourself to learn the things you don't want to lose. That's not helpful. Mm -mm. I'm no. sorry. They're just so not helpful. <laughs> they're really not. And they're just like, your relationship with him is, is like not good. But he's like, that's the only thing that like can save my wife but then they're like you're not allowed to have a wife like that's bad mm -hmm. that's not the jedi way and like they can't help him in any way and like when even when there's ways for them to help him they're like oh that's not our job the biggest thing that we wanted to talk about with these films was the character of anakin skywalker slash darth vader because if you've listened to any of our past episodes like ranking episodes darth vader is my favorite cinematic character of all time and i really truly don't think he will ever be topped for me i don't think there will be ever, ever be another character that will get the backstory the time, the shock value, the pain, like, spent into one character. Like, to have six movies pretty much around one character is almost unheard of. Besides right. if it's, like, Harry Potter, you know, like, a book franchise or something. And when it's about a villain. Yeah. Like, that is very much unheard of. So. So, I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. We're going to get into, like, Padme and Anakin, Obi-Wan and Anakin. I feel like we should almost just get into Anakin right off the okay. bat. Because otherwise I feel like we're going to be alluding to it this whole time. Yeah. And, like, we might as well just dive into it. Okay. First of all, just, like, the origin story in general. And especially when we're talking about a villain who we've already seen, like, as an evil person. And then going back to, like, okay, how did this happen? And not just, like, back a couple months before the events that we've already seen of him being evil, but like to his childhood, it's such a unique opportunity and such a good lesson, which is one of the things that I think people are kind of missing the point of. It's rare that you get this type of perspective and granted it's a fictional character, but like we're so quick to demonize and villainize each other. And like that person is a bad person and like they don't deserve anything. But like you would be the exact same person if you grew up and went through their entire life like step by step everything happens for a reason and like no one is born 
pure evil. It's all circumstance. I totally agree. I think that to see how this super villain is created is unheard of or something that we haven't seen on film. And I don't really think we've seen on film since, honestly. And I think that is such an important thing to see him starting out as a child. Because you're looking at him as a child and you can't look at him and be like, oh yeah, he's evil. Like, no, he wasn't Mm -hmm. born that way. He was created or he was a product of his environment and his life and circumstances. And I think seeing him from a child to then as a Jedi apprentice to then where he is in Revenge of the Sith, I think you see that gradual change and you see step by step. You never once are like surprised, really. Mm -hmm by his actions or when he takes that final step and that scene with Mace Windu and Chancellor Palpatine, you aren't surprised Mm -hmm. at how that turns out because it makes total sense and everything has been built up to that one moment. And I think that's the best thing that these, I think that's what these three movies are for. Yeah. They're to give you context. So that way when you're looking at Darth Vader, when you go back and watch A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, you have a new appreciation for this character that is built up to be this horrible villain. Yeah, and I think like when you're watching it as a kid, maybe you're like, no, don't kill Mace Windu. Like you just have it in your mind like he's a good guy. But going back and rewatching it as an adult where you've like lived in this crappy world where just like shit happens and we all make bad decisions some decisions just set the course for the rest of your life you don't always know in the moment like what's the best decision but I guarantee you like any person that's Anakin's age or like our age because we're like about that age right now who is confronted with like the situation and the circumstances that Anakin is confronted with like you have one guy who's a little bit shady but like he says that he can show you the way to save your girlfriend from like or your wife the same fate that you already saw your mom go through that traumatized you and nearly broke you and then this other guy who like you who has hated you and like been a complete dick to you has been holding you back and like won't help you and just all this stuff even though you know like he's good like you've been seeing some shadiness with the jedis too so it's like he's questioning and conflicted about both scenarios so like when you're in that life or death split second decision it's like yeah and that's what's so crazy about it because that split second decision set the course for the rest of his life and like impacted so many other lives obviously and every single time we see him make a decision he starts out with good intentions when you really look at it overall even with master windu dying his intention is to save Padme. Like, he's not killing Master Windu to be like, ha, then I can be almighty and powerful. I mean, yes, it devolves into that, but it didn't start that way. And we see that from the very beginning. He starts out with good intentions and that makes his downfall all the more powerful and fun to watch. And mm-hmm. I think often forgotten that he started out as a literal slave. Not just a child, but a slave. He had no power, neither did his mother. And in episode one, he says, I have dreams where I'm a Jedi Knight and I come back and free all the slaves. Like he wanted to use his power for good. Like he never from a child was like, I want to rule the galaxy that I mean, obviously we see in episode three on Mustafar when he's like, this is my empire. Like, yeah, he gets to that point, but he didn't start out with that goal in mind. He literally just wanted to save Padme because he couldn't save his mother. Yeah, and I think that point that he gets to where it's like, this is my empire, even that, like, I don't think is coming from a purely evil place, like, where he's just turned into this evil person. He has seen the two powers that, like, 
like the two rulers that are like separated by technically good and evil, he's seen how they do things and like doesn't like either of it. He sees the Jedis who are supposedly good people be corrupt, let innocent people die when they could have easily saved them for their duty and like this whole Jedi code bullshit. Like they're not allowed to love or feel normal human emotions. So he's like, screw that. They shouldn't be allowed to rule because mm-hmm. they are like letting innocent people die. It all comes back to like save the innocent like and justice. Like these people don't deserve to be living like this. Like his mom, mm-hmm. you know, that's just like the ultimate kind of origin of everything that happens to him and like his personality and everything. The, and Padme, like the innocent, the good, like purely good person who just like doesn't get what they deserve. The dark side isn't doing it right either. So he's like... I'll overthrow both of them. I'm more powerful than anybody. I should rule. I was just thinking of this book that I just read, Nightfall by Penelope Douglas. And in this, one of my favorite characters, Damon, has this line, which it's not an original, or it might be an original line in this book, but I think it's like a different version of what's out there of like, the role of the villain is only determined by who is telling the story. And I think this is such a prime example of, like, the Sith are quote-unquote evil, but they don't see themselves as necessarily being evil. I mean, Pelpy is a different story, but I think, like, overall, the idea of the Sith is not necessarily or inherently evil. Like, yes, there are bad aspects, but I don't think the Jedi are all good. And I think that there is evil within the Jedi and I think there is good within the Sith. And I think that's why it's interesting to always see these two opposing forces play out. But one thing that I want to point out too with his like downfall and like his decision and how we're constantly seeing him going back and forth of like good and evil is in episode three when he beheads Count Dooku at the beginning. He wouldn't have done that without Palpy pushing him on, which granted like that manipulation started early on for Anakin. Mm -hmm. So to see that it's like, yeah, I mean, Palpy's doing a good job of getting those little nuggets in his head. As soon as he does that, he has that moment of regret that says this is not the Jedi, the Jedi way and feels remorse for his actions and that only again like I said makes his downfall more fascinating because again you see him do this horrible thing granted to an evil character so it's like you don't really care but he still beheaded an innocent person who was unarmed yep and killed them when they wouldn't have had a chance to really hurt Anakin again it just makes it so that there wasn't like one he just didn't just jump off the edge like there were multiple little pushes it was like back and forth it was like two steps forward towards there one step back and it was just like a slow gradual thing and it was like this fear of loss and resentment in his history dangling over his head that finally like pushed him over but even when he was over that edge I don't think he was ever truly over yeah and as we kind of saw at the end of his character in the original movies he was never fully evil I don't think yeah he's always been conflicted and like that's what we see in this franchise like the most powerful people the most gifted Jedis are the most conflicted because like both sides are kind of calling to them and that part that you brought up about the Count Dooku thing and how he's like I shouldn't have done that that's not the Jedi way in the moment when he kills Count Dooku the Chancellor says he's too dangerous to be kept alive kept alive and he's like that's not the jedi way and then later on mace windu says the exact same thing he's too dangerous to be kept alive and anakin's like but you're a jedi like he should stand trial and i think right there he's again like losing faith 
in the Jedi way. Like, they're hypocritical. Yeah. They're hypocritical at so many moments from the very beginning. I never made that connection, Katie. Katie and I talked about this offline where I was like, Katie, I'm pretty sure I've seen Revenge of the Sith. I am not exaggerating. So this movie came out in 2005, so 15 years ago. I genuinely think I've probably watched this movie like twice a year, every year. So I've seen it, I think, like 30 times. And I've never, never realized that they say that same exact line. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of moments like that where the Jedi contradict themselves. The Chancellor never really does that. He never contradicts himself. He's just like, this is just a different way to use the Force, really. Like, they make it seem evil, but it's not. They say that it's for selfish reasons, but you'd be saving your wife, and they're selfish too. Just look at them. And I think that moment when Mace Windu says, like, screw a trial, like, kill him, is the straw that kind of broke the camel's back. In yeah. that department of, like, the Jedi are hypocritical. The manipulation is so interesting to watch in this film. Because even in the second one, you see Palpy, like, planting these seeds once again. And you see Anakin's frustration with the Jedi Council constantly shitting on him. And yes, Anakin is, like, arrogant and cocky. But he's also, like, hates himself at the same time, which I think is an interesting juxtaposition. Like, he doesn't love himself and isn't like one of those characters who just thinks he's like awesome he just knows that he is powerful and yeah. knows that he is like meant to be the greatest jedi of all time so how do you not let that get to your head when you're training and then when all you have this whole entire group of people that you know you are more powerful than or will be more powerful telling you no all the time and putting you down and like kind of demeaning your value yeah and again just opens up the door for palpatine to come in and plant these little seeds of being like oh they don't really trust you or like oh what a waste of your talents again it's just like feeding that need for him to feel powerful and feel capable of doing something because all he's had happen in his life is like failures he couldn't save his mom now he's faced with failing on saving padme so then when he wants to feel like he can do something about something that he cares about palpy's right there being like hey I can help you out, where the Jedi are like, oh, you just gotta learn to lose stuff in life, man. I don't really know what to tell you. Tell me you wouldn't make that same choice. Like you said, Katie, you cannot watch this and not at least consider the idea that you would follow the same steps that he does. Yeah, and also I think another thing that people are kind of missing the point on is like when you have so much power and like you're being told that you're the most powerful person and you feel so much more powerful than all of your counterparts who are still like above you with that like comes people trying to use you for their own benefit mm -hmm. so like he has that going for him on both sides like the jedi send him out on all these missions and he's constantly saving his own master's ass but then denied the role of master denied a seat on the council until chancellor palpatine like demands it then same with the chancellor like he is using Anakin for his own personal benefit. So it's just kind of like, again, he wants autonomy over his own life and his own powers. The Jedis have their, like, way of how they want Anakin to use his powers and, like, they want to mold him into something that, like, he just doesn't want to be. Like, they want him to not feel emotion. And, like, Anakin has never been that 
that guy. Like he just, mm-hmm. he's not a monk. That anger, that frustration and like fear, those com- the combination of like all those feelings and then trying to suppress that for so long while all these other things are going on. It's just like, yeah, no shit. He became super evil. I think that's the thing when you're watching these, you aren't surprised. I mean, right. obviously you know where Anakin's gonna end up if you've seen the original movies, you know where this ends. You just aren't surprised when you see the reasoning behind everything. You aren't like, oh, how could someone turn evil? It's just like, oh yeah, I see that. I see how he came to make that decision. I see why he chose that way over another, you know? Mm -hmm. It just makes sense. Yeah, like, I feel the frustration for him and, like, Mm -hmm. the, the heartbreak for him, too, like, with his mom and everything. So, with Phantom Menace, I think, obviously, we already said it shows his beginnings as a slave with his mother and... The general wonder that a child has about the world when they've only seen this very small part and he just wants to get beyond his circumstances and see the world. But then he also wants to remember to come back and free the slaves and his mom, which I just think is awesome. And it also shows his early brilliance with inventions and pod racing. Like, I think we forget that he's extremely smart. Like, he's not just powerful. He is, like, an extremely smart character. And that definitely comes into play later on. And I think, like we've talked about, it gives context to audiences seeing this supervillain as a child, especially, like, a super cute child. Yeah. And while it's not the best movie, I do think that it's important that we see that. And then we also see how Obi-Wan feels such a responsibility to train Anakin. And in turn, that only leads to the further hurt and betrayal that we see at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Attack of the Clones, we see their relationship more. But Phantom Menace, we don't really even see Obi-Wan and Anakin interact that much. But by seeing Obi-Wan's love and admiration for Qui-Gon and like how Qui-Gon so much believed in Anakin you get then how that transferred over into Obi-Wan who I do just think is like genuinely a pretty decent character in terms of like morality I do think out of all the Jedi like he seems to be the most like morally straight kind of guy that then it makes sense of why he feels such a sense of betrayal it's interesting to see Obi-Wan in the Phantom Menace and how he right off the bat is like this kid is bad news like let's just not waste our time blah 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 the Jedi Council too is just like no and Qui-Gon is literally the only person that is like he is the chosen one and I believe in him and all this stuff and you could say that the beginning of Anakin's downfall into Darth Vader is when Qui-Gon gets killed because there goes the only person who truly like had pure intentions with Anakin like didn't want to use him for his own personal gain truly believed in him like saw him for his talent and like how good he was and then Anakin ends up being left with Obi-Wan, who isn't that much older than him, and he ends up surpassing him within, like, the first five years of their training. When Qui-Gon dies, like, you could say that, like, that is the beginning of the end, basically. The first domino that, like, topples all the rest of them. That's what I think is so interesting about each of these movies. You just see those little, like, tick, 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 tick. (laughs) It's just one thing after another. Even if Qui-Gon did live, then the same thing could have happened. Like, is it fate or is it, like, everything that happens happens for a reason? Because, like, when I was watching the Revenge of the Sith, like, when Mace Windu tells Anakin to stay at the... Jedi Council, like, I'm always like, if he would have just stayed, then he wouldn't become Darth Vader, but then he still might have. Okay, Attack of the Clones. Again, it's showing his early frustration and being limited 
by the Jedi when he feels that he has more power and potential than they are giving him room to explore. And that's only shown when he's given his mission to take Padme back to Naboo. It's kind of a mission that, while is super important and obviously ends up working out great for the two of them because love is awesome. Well, actually, it doesn't turn out so great. Uh, (laughs) But, like, it is a mission that he feels is below his power and honestly, like, is below his power. He's basically a bodyguard. And it does show his early arrogance, but it also shows his hatred inside of himself. And so, again, it isn't so out of left field with the turn and the third one and the death of his mother is the most important thing that this movie does for his character i genuinely think that how katie were just talking about if if his mother did not die i would be really hard pressed to see how he would have turned and how it would have felt natural because without him his feeling that grief with his mother and knowing what that is like I don't know what that would have looked like in three then when he has that fear of losing Padme it still could have been enough to turn him but I think that by having that already have been something that he had to experience and that guilt and again when he's having these nightmares and the Jedi are like don't worry about it you got a mission and they're like keeping him on things and not letting him go home to see his mother and then when he finally does get home they're like oh she's been gone for months like Mm -hmm. he's had these premonitions and the Jedi have not let him leave to Mm -hmm. check anything out so again he has this anger towards the Jedi so I think again we only get that even more and in the first one we see him tell his mother that he will one day return and free her and then finally when he has the capability to do so like as a young boy there's nothing that he could do but then as a Jedi he now has the power to be able to go and free his mother and I think that's so heartbreaking then that when he finally has the capability of doing something he's too late also this is where we start to see the seeds of Chancellor Palpatine planting stuff in Anakin's head so and also him and Padme's relationship starting that is kind of like a whole other egg that we'll get into later but obviously I think Attack of the Clones overall the three major things that it does is the death of his mother the romance with Padme the beginning anger towards the Jedi yeah and just the anger he feels with his mom and like not knowing where to put that anger and like obviously he wipes out all the sand people and like that obviously doesn't satisfy like his anger or anything or like make anything better obviously and so he needs somewhere to like direct that anger and blame somebody mm-hmm. and every time I watch this movie I'm always surprised he doesn't kill the stepdad and the um, the stepbrother and the because it's like you can tell that his anger is still boiling over like he still wants to kill people and it's just interesting too because like I was talking about before with his belief that like innocent people should be spared and good people should be spared but then he goes and like kills younglings in the third one and like kills the sand people and like even the women and children and so it's like katie how could you say that like obviously he doesn't care but again it's like like you're missing the point of these movies if you don't understand that like when you know somebody and see what type of person they are and then see them like get being hurt for anakin like that feeds into his belief of like who innocent people are and who should be saved Mm -hmm. same as like we see darth vader in the four five and six and like that's a bad person who deserves to die but then like when we see him and grow up with him and like learn more about him and see that he is a person with feelings and he's a person you know then we're not as quick to to think that so I think that's kind of feeding into that idea maybe I that could be a stretch like him killing innocent people could just be like evil but I still think like there's a reason behind that it's just like his belief system is that people like Padme and his mom shouldn't be hurt 
and he doesn't think that way about like people who might be innocent but that he like doesn't know very well that's interesting that you say that that you think that they're even though him murdering innocent people is horrible and like we're not here to defend that but that you think that he has a reason for it because i agree i mean the sand people obviously we know his reason behind that like they have a history or at least from what we get of being violent or like understanding that the sand people like have a bad reputation and again that's no reason to kill him However, in his mind, though, I think he could see it as, like, I'm not letting any of this, these people do this to someone else ever again. Maybe he just did go into an anger rage. We don't know. It's up to interpretation. That's the whole point of these. And then with the younglings. The youngling scenes gets me every time when he goes into that temple. That's shot from, like, the little kid to then Hayden Christensen's face back to then the little kid when he, like, ignites his lightsaber. Makes me cry every time. It's so... It's so heartbreaking to see. While I'm not advocating for the killing of children, like, Anakin thinks that he needs to do this in order to be taught how to save Padme. Like, again, he's doing it to accomplish a goal. While it's not right and it's an awful thing to do, again, in his mind, I think it makes sense for him. And he's so far gone at that point, I think, and so deep in his decision, like when we see Master Windu get flown off the side of the building from him and Palpy, and Anakin has that moment and he crouches back and he's like, what have I done? He's not immediately like, oh, hell yeah, me and Chancellor are going to like live it up now. He is genuinely distraught, but he's basically backed into a corner in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so then from there on out, again, I think it is just like he knows that there's really no turning back at this point. So like, what else does he have to lose besides... Padme and again he thinks that he's working towards that power yeah and he's like chosen a side so he kind of adopts that side's belief system and so in that moment when he kills the younglings he thinks that he's like preventing more Jedi which are in his mind an evil corrupt organization and finally the best movie of the three of them Revenge of the Sith we ultimately see his downfall and how he succumbs to the dark side and again we see that it's not an immediate yes I like had a moment there (laughs) to say yes Um, Yes. and we see his logic behind it we see so many instances of him doing something that could be perceived as quote-unquote evil and then doing something good like when he beheads Count Dooku but then he refuses to leave Obi-Wan one of my favorite scenes in this thing that I just it doesn't really fit into this but it's when Obi-Wan and Yoda are seeing the aftermath of the younglings and they were like who could do such a thing? And then we cut to Anakin on Mustafar, like, annihilating the Separatists. It's just mm-hmm. such a great moment. That was one of my random things that I couldn't fit in during my 60 seconds that mm-hmm. I copy and pasted down here. Oh, right at the beginning, we see my powers have doubled since the last time we've met Count. Uh, again, we're seeing that Anakin is just a super powerful Jedi, and this only highlights it. And you can tell the difference in the fight. One, I think the fights just get better and better as the movies goes. But genuinely, you can see that Anakin obviously can hold his own a lot better than he could, which again, only further proves that he is more powerful than probably one person should be. And I think the best thing that this movie does, though, is the nightmares about Padme now, because we know that he had nightmares in Attack of the Clones, so it only brings back to his ultimate fear of losing his mother and that grief that he dealt with in that movie and manifesting that fear in him now when he's starting to have these nightmares about his pregnant wife like any person who is in love with someone I think if you started having nightmares about them being like hell amounts of pain and then dying 
is gonna be concerned about that. So ultimately this movie, so while the first, while Phantom Menace sets up a child and like gives you his origin, the second movie shows you his power and that initial grief of losing his mother and how that's going to manifest in the third one. And this third one is ultimately showing his downfall. I think each movie is necessary. I don't really think there's a lot more that I could have asked for in terms of like background on this character. I mean, there are things we're going to talk about with like Padme and things that we would have liked to see more of, but I don't really think I, I don't think I could really ask for any more than what we got. I mean, I'd always take more because mm-hmm. I would love to see anything else to do with this character. Do you kind of feel like Katie with this three arc of this, of this franchise, is there anything that like you feel like we missed out on with Anakin's character? The one thing, the ending does feel very quick. After the split-second decision of him stopping Mace Windu from killing the Chancellor, after that, it's like, boom, he's, like, evil. His eyes have changed color, like, it's over, and everything just happens so quickly. The Jedi, like, want him to bring balance to the Force, and, like, once once that has gone completely out the window, it's, like, it's all messed up. All the Jedis are dead. Like, everything just happens so quickly, I don't know. The events of the movie just kind of move very rapidly. Like Padme finds out she's pregnant at the beginning and she's having kids by the end. Anakin and Obi-Wan have that conversation like, I actually really do appreciate you and like all you've taught me. And he's like, I'm actually proud of you. And then like, bam, the next time they see each other, like they're trying to kill each other. I would say the third one feels very fast paced, whereas the second one feels very slow paced. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say like it shouldn't have been like that, but... That's just something that I would know. And I don't know if it's like a good or a bad thing, but. I do agree. The pacing of the third one is a lot quicker. And I think that's why a lot of people like it more is because it is just more entertaining. There are more fights. I mean, you get the fight right at the beginning with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Count Dooku. And then you get the fight in the middle with General Grievous and Obi-Wan. And then you get the fight at the end with Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then at the same time with Palpatine and Yoda. Like, there's just a lot going on throughout it. Yeah. Um, But I think it by far is the best look-wise, too. I think there are a lot of great jump cuts. I think there are a lot of great moments. I think The Darker Edge. I think Hayden Christensen in this movie. Like, Attack of the Clones, there were, like, some cringy moments. I'm not going to lie on that. But I do think he had great moments in that movie. But this movie, he, like, hits it for me almost every single time. Like, genuinely, I think he did such a great job showing the conflict in this movie and ultimately like that darker edge. I think he really brought it in this one. The whole Mustafar scene is just incredible, but the, you will not turn her against me. That line delivery is so good. And his anger in that moment is so palpable and so visceral. I feel like people shit on hating Christensen all the time. And I think for the most part, it's undeserved in these yeah. movies. And I know you had watched some, like, videos, Katie. Do you have any thoughts on, like, Hayden Christensen as Anakin? You're stupid if you can't acknowledge that, like, this is arguably one of the hardest roles ever. Like, one of the most popular franchises ever. And then, like, one of the biggest characters ever. This is a huge undertaking. Could somebody else have done this role and possibly done it better? Maybe. You know, like, his performance wasn't Oscar-winning. But they that's not, like, what Star Wars is. They think he's too monotone. They think he's, like, his delivery is weird. In some moments, like, especially the moments with him and Padme, I think the dialogue is just not it. 
it's the dialogue that's lacking and like nobody could deliver those lines in a good way. In other moments, I think people just are wanting a bigger performance, but his acting and portrayal of this character is in like his expressions. One of the videos I watched pointed out like in every shot he is contemplating and thinking and you can tell like in every moment he is like his brow is furrowed and he's conflicted and that's a huge like that's the entire character and I think Hayden Christensen like put a lot of thought into that I think he put a lot of thought into like I said before the dialogue and like trying to make because the voice of Darth Vader is so iconic so when people are like getting on him about his line delivery it's like okay but you want it to sound authentic he was trying to to do that and I think people are missing the point and if you really listen it does sound like Darth Vader Darth Vader's voice without the like filter on it or whatever mm-hmm. the, I don't I wouldn't even know how to describe it like the megaphone effect I don't know <laughs> you don't want him to have had three movies of speaking one way and then you go back to his origin and he's speaking a completely different way yeah you could maybe sell that of being like well after he was basically burned to nothing and like he had to relearn how to talk or something but like that's not really that's not really realistic like you you still have that same thought process you still talk similar I totally get that like obviously you don't want him to sound like two completely different people and like you said Katie could other actors have done it like maybe I mean we don't know that but I'm just trying to think of like if they were to be doing this now who you would cast in this role And I genuinely am having a hard time trying to think of someone that at least would be in the spotlight right now. Timmy. Who could... uh, No, Katie. Timmy could not do this. Timmy is a string bean. He could bulk up and then... He'd have to really bulk up. He's a sad boy, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I I could honestly... No. I could see it. I was more thinking, like, if we're talking, like, Adam Driver, let's say, like, Ben Solo doesn't exist, like, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo doesn't exist, and they are doing the prequels in current daytime, and they would, like, look at someone like Adam Driver for this role. I love Adam Driver, and I think his portrayal of Ben Solo is awesome. However, I don't know if he could have that sense of, like, childish behavior a little bit that Anakin has or like that little bit of lightness that he has inside of him that like airiness a bit that Anakin has I just I don't know I I think that Hayden Christensen did the best that he could do and I'm happy with what he did with the character I think he did a good job do you want to talk about Padme and Anakin now? Sure, let's do it. I think they needed to bring a romance writer into the room during yep. their scenes. I'm just thinking, like, George Lucas, I love you, but I just think that, like, the tension and the angst was missing in Attack of the Clones. And if you would have brought in someone who knows how to write, like, a good romance love story, I mean, yes, obviously he wrote Han and Leia, but their dialogue was way better than Padme and Anakin dialogue like let's be honest you needed to have someone who had a little more expertise in like creating tension like sexual tension between two characters I think that there is a lot lacking it also sorry Miss Portman she's just not my favorite and I don't think she does like the best job as Padme I think she's good she's not like my favorite yeah well she was pretty young when the first one came out like she was Mm -hmm. basically a kid I think with the two actors, the chemistry was lacking a little bit, which is understandable when you're making a film like this. Like, they're not romance films. Mm. They're acting in front of a green screen, so, like, to conjure those emotions, it's kind of difficult. Yeah, Natalie Portman's acting isn't 
as strong as we see her later on in her career as like Black Swan mm-hmm. and everything. One moment that I do think she's like bringing it is when she's like begging Anakin to come with her on Mustafar. Like, holy shit. I was like, where has this been? Like, this is what I wanted in the second one. Because it just, it feels like they're running lines almost. Like, they're just reading (laughs) to each other. And I just thought, like, the playful, like, in the fields, it's just hokey and dumb. Like, I want this love story to, like, destroy me. And it really doesn't. We don't get a whole lot of people being like, you can't be together. And, like, people actively separating them which like lowers the stakes i do think their secret wedding in the second one and like the swell and everything in that music is so good john williams like conjures emotions for me there but i was like this music doesn't match what i've seen it almost felt like the film left it up for us to infer that like their love was super deep and like misunderstood by anyone but them like I don't know I can picture that in my head and like especially in the third one like they're a hot couple but I just feel like a lot of it is just like we're supposed to imagine it and I think us as women like we would maybe, and I'm not trying to like generalize women, but just Michaela and I as women, like in the type of stuff that we enjoy, I think I would definitely like to see more of that and like the tumultuousness of this relationship rather than like the political stuff and like, you know, some of the missions that Obi-Wan goes on. Like I care less about that and more about their relationship and Anakin in general. Well, even I wouldn't want to sacrifice the politicalness in this in exchange for more of the romance I think instead they should have just really like packed way more of a punch with the romance and the time yeah. that they had like they like you said the field frolicking scene cute but like come on this is a forbidden romance I want you to lean into that I want them to have to hide I want them I want like exchanged heated glances under the skies of other people you know I want I want that And I hate, again, to make this comparison to the sequels that we just got, but there is more tension built up between Rey and Kylo when there's really no romance with them at all until they kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which I'm not, I wasn't here for that. I mean, I was here for that at the moment, but now thinking back, I'm like, their connection went so much deeper than like a kiss. It just like, now it feels cheap. But they, they are an example of like a forbidden romance and they aren't even a forbidden romance, but you get that, you get that tension, you get that angst. And like, they could have done that with this, but then actually made you be like, yeah, they get to be together. Like you could have had that culmination. I agree. I just think they really, like they were on the right track with this. It just missed the mark in certain spots. I mean, yes, you still get this love story and there are moments that are cute for them and that make their relationship feel like earned in a way, but just overall, it's like just enough, but there's like nothing extra on the side, you know? Yeah. Like that ending where Padme is like, really suffering like re-watching the third movie like the ending didn't hit as hard for me as I remembered and also as like as much as I wanted if the relationship had been like really I like I don't know how to describe it but just like really made me feel something it would have packed more of a punch and I would have believed more like that she lost the will to live in the second one Anakin should have jumped off the ship and like 
ran to Padme when she fell off. That's the type of love story I want. And I think when you said at the end that it doesn't hit as hard after, like, watching it back. And even when I'm watching it every single time, like, what gets me and, like, gut punches me is strictly Anakin's character and seeing that downfall. And, like, seeing him on Mustafar have so much anger and so much pain inside. Like, that hits me. Like, that, I think, is out of the ballpark. But Padme and, like, him, it's just a small part of that. Like, that's not what is really getting me yeah. emotional. We just need to say this, because Katie and I are often talking about, like, female characters and, like, representation of women in film. The third movie, Natalie Portman, is, like, kind of useless, except for just being, like, a pregnant wife at home, which in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, we see her, like, being a badass. Yeah. And being this awesome politician. And, like, gunfighting and, like, charging up the front lines. And we don't see any of that in the third movie. While it, like, kind of makes sense because she's pregnant. So, obviously, she's not, like, trying to be out and putting herself in danger. However, it is just, like, really, you're just... She sits in a room and, like, brushes her hair. She is such a cool character. And I think that, that too, would have been cool to see more, like, in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And her kind of, like, defying him in certain moments and kind of being the only one who challenges him and, like, really makes him confront his arrogance and she's the only one who like can bring him down to earth because she's literally a queen like a badass bitch in the first one and then like you said in the second one like she's ahead of them like trying to get out of the execution so uh, she's such a badass and yeah the third one is just a letdown for her character if you know that there's still good in him why have you lost the will to live yeah i think she was just being a little dramatic <laughs> Um. <laughs> also you have two children like i'm so over this whole living thing because my man like that is not the character no she's literally no. a queen she's like so for that to work like i wanted to see her lose part of herself to like rebuild herself to attach herself to him and we didn't get that so then mm -hmm. all that it does come off as like dramatic and like you're throwing it all away for a man yeah but it, it would have made more sense it, if the romance was, like, more believable. It doesn't just feel true. It doesn't feel true to her character at all. But, I mean, again, I get why it had to happen. Like, she had to be that catalyst at the end of being, like, Anakin literally did everything to try to save her. And then he ultimately couldn't once again. So then it, like, makes sense of why he, like, fully takes on this persona of this evil person yeah. that we see later on in these films let's jump into obi-wan here then because i get why like he's a character that people would like he is just not my type of character i love the morally gray character and he is very like morally black and white and yeah is that what it would be like morally black and white um, yeah. He just sees things as good versus evil, he, and he doesn't see the nuances in anything, and it's just he's not my type of character. I do love his relationship with Anakin, but as a character overall, like, Obi-Wan just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, and he sees, like, duty versus, like, your own personal desires, but, like, there is a gray area in that, like, your duty is to protect and serve, and it's, like that's an innocent person like I want to save them even if my duty is to like go catch that bad guy it's also annoying because he like after he loses Qui-Gon who is like a fellow Jedi so it doesn't really count he doesn't have a mom or a dad that he's like worried about he doesn't have a girlfriend or a wife obviously or a boyfriend 
I'm not assuming anything about you, Obi-Wan. The Jedi are just kind of rude because to pluck a boy from their, from his mother and then be like, don't care about your mom. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Wouldn't you think that if you're trying to create this legion of morally great people who are just going to defend the people... Wouldn't you want them to have people that they care about protecting? Like, wouldn't that be a better motivator? I mean, granted, then that could be used in the opposite way of, like, when we're looking at Anakin of, like, turning to the dark side. But if if the Jedi were to just be like, hey, let's help protect our families, I would feel like that would be a better incentive to people. And, like, that would make you a better person knowing that you have something that you're really fighting for. I think the Jedi are great in a lot of ways, but I think the Jedi are so built up as being, like, perfect that I kind of like that in the sequels we see that they're not. Yeah. There's more um, of a conversation around the gray area within the Jedi as well. Yeah, and it's refreshing, you know. I don't know if kids necessarily pick up on that. Like, I think kids still see things as, like, the Jedi are the good guys and the Mm -hmm. Sith are the bad guys. But... I mean, watching it as an adult, you can really tell, like, that system of authority that's, like, labeled good. They're not always right about everything. They're wrong about stuff all the time, and Anakin's right, and then, I don't know. When we talk about the Harry Potter movies, like, both of us are like, Dumbledore's kind of a dick and, like, not a good person. And I feel the same way about Obi-Wan and Yoda. Like, they're both just kind of... Well, Yoda, I feel like, is just too wise and, like, unable to genuinely, like, feel emotion. And I don't know. I was watching a video that was comparing, like, Luke's Jedi journey and Anakin's Jedi journey and, like, how they're very the same. And, like, Luke also feels emotion and compassion and love, like, for Leia and Han and his friends. That's what drives him to make the decisions that he makes. And ultimately, like, those decisions are labeled as good and, like, save people. Anakin does the same thing and it just doesn't work out given the circumstances. So back to Obi-Wan, I just think he sometimes acknowledges that, like, Anakin's better than him and, like, saves him all the time. So he, he clearly knows that, but then he, I just feel like every other line out of his mouth is, like, Anakin better not be fucking up right now or, like... Anakin better not be getting into trouble or like don't do that Anakin like it's just like okay you just got hit by that deck that somebody like put on you within the first two seconds of the fight with Dooku like what you're worthless what are you even doing here (laughs) and then Anakin's gonna save you again and then you're gonna go back and be like yeah you shouldn't be on the council but I should yeah what a dick. Obi-Wan frustrates me in a lot of ways. I completely echo everything that you just said there. I do think that the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan is interesting because he is like a father figure for Anakin, which Anakin has never had one. So I do think that's interesting that he fills that. And then at the end, Obi-Wan said, like, you were like a brother to me, that he saw them more as like equals than that than him being like above Anakin as a father and like Anakin as a son. I thought that was interesting because the whole time we're kind of seeing Obi-Wan be like, I'm up here and like you're here and always trying to like put Anakin in his place or have Anakin remember his place to then at the end be like, I saw you as my equal. Like I saw you as a brother. I just think that's fascinating. Like I think in his mind, um, the way that he treated Anakin is different than how he actually did and how like Anakin received his critiques and praise in a way. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's just like how in real life, how one person can have one idea of a relationship or interaction and takeaway, and another person can conceive it completely or receive it completely differently. Yeah. And I think he wanted the best for Anakin, but he also wanted the best for like the Republic or whatever. And I just everybody had their idea of like how they wanted Anakin to mold and be shaped into. And he says right off the bat when he's a kid, like, I'm not a slave. I'm a person. Like, I'm going to do what I want. And the whole time, Obi-Wan is like, politicians suck. I hate politicians. And he's always telling Anakin, like, don't trust politicians. Meanwhile, little does he know, Anakin is married to a politician. So, like, kind of stepping on toes there. And he's such a dick, too, when he's like, is Anakin the father? And she's like, (laughs) and then he's just like. Uh, I'm so sorry. Bye. I'm I'm gonna follow you on this ship. (sighs) Yeah, and then ruin everything. And then, like, it's because of that that Anakin, like, force chokes her. And he's like, don't do that. Like, what a... (sighs) He annoys me. (laughs) Yeah. Obi-Wan is not... I don't hate him. I like him. But he's definitely not up there in my favorite Star Wars characters. Maybe Clone Wars would change it for me since it is, like, very heavily focused on Obi-Wan, obviously. But one thing that will get me every single time that I think is such a testament to Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor is the whole fight on Mustafar. I think that is the best scene of these three movies. I think, in my opinion, it's probably my favorite scene. I think in our top ten movie scenes, I had said that the fight on in Rise of Skywalker between Rey and Kylo was my favorite. I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, that's a great fight sequence, but this is just, like, end-all, be-all. The emotion between the two of them, the absolute balance of power that the two of them have, and the moments of dialogue, like, it's just paced so well. When we get, like, these stop and starts, and the moments when they're talking, this is the end for you, my master, and he's like, Anakin, don't do this, and he's like, you're a republic, like, you are lost. The emotion at the end, obviously, when Obi-Wan is like, you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you, it's like, ah, it gets me every fucking time, it's so good, it's so good. Maybe Mm -hmm. you can offer some intellectual thoughts, because I can't speak anything besides of, it's amazing, (laughs) in terms of that scene. I don't have any intellectual thoughts. I think the special effects are just out of this world and very believable. Like, there are certain moments in these three movies where I'm just like, oh my god, it takes me out of it. Like, in Phantom Menace, when they go underwater, I was like, that is like cartoon water. Yeah. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it is so immersive in this third film. And uh, like you said, the the equal balance of power really feeds into that. Like, they're brothers. They've grown up together. Like, I really get that sense that they've grown up together and it's like the older brother versus the younger brother like dynamic that they're in competition with each other and like the best of friends but then like want to kill each other and it's just heartbreaking that like literally the last conversation they had before this was like them expressing their appreciation for each other and it's gonna end in like the death of one of them or like the metaphorical death of Anakin. And too when we see when Yoda and Obi-Wan obviously discover about Anakin killing these younglings and knowing then like what he's done and Obi-Wan's reluctance to kill Anakin and being like I can't do this like I love him and Yoda's like no you got it bro take it away. (laughs) Right. They just, the Jedi really have like no sense of people loving other people, which they really, really don't. Make any sense. Yeah. They're just like, that's not the Jedi way. And also, like, 
fairness and like a fair trial is also apparently not the Jedi way. Like they decide that somebody should die. Like when Yoda or Mace Windu, indiv- like as individuals, are like that person mm-hmm. should die. Council out the window. Yeah, that person is dead, and that's just like not chill. So I don't know. Yeah. The Jedi are sketch. And like I'm not saying that the Sith are good. Right. No. Obviously the Sith suck. But I think when you're looking at good versus evil, there's really no such thing. There really is no such thing. Yeah. Like, Democratic and Republican Party, literally, both not great. No. Like, there are faults in both. Um, so this one kind of ties back to, like, what you were saying early on in the episode about, like, how Star Wars fans tend to to like never be satisfied and I've kind of gotten that sense too I'm definitely like not within this fandom from the like supplemental material that I have like watched or read from the little bit of like social media talks that I see it is very critical and especially with these prequels like people really don't like them for some reason I think a lot of the narrative is like nothing will compare to the originals even the originals like people don't like that much I mean it was made in a time where like all this high-tech stuff was hard to do on film so like it comes across as outdated sometimes Like, yeah, the themes are timeless and everything, but the acting isn't great. Like, there's a reason why they haven't really worked in anything else except for Harrison Ford. That's an exception. But just, like, it's a little goofy that people are like, nothing will ever live up to the originals when it's like... It's like saying nothing will ever live up to, like, The Wizard of Oz or, like, classic films. I don't know. So do you think that people will always be more critical about prequels and sequels and spinoffs? Because in their mind, they have this idea of, like, the originals and there's, like, a bit of nostalgia that goes into that and, like, an inability to have your, like, new, older mind, like, see anything within that film universe, like, the same way as you did when maybe you were younger and, like, seeing it for the first time. I think Star Wars fans will literally never be happy no matter what happens. If they never make another Star Wars movie, they're going to be mad. If they make another trilogy, they're going to be mad. I think it's just the common case of you can't make everyone happy, but I genuinely think in the sense of Star Wars, like, you can't make everyone happy by a long shot. I think, I again don't want to make assumptions, but this is what I do think. The majority of the fan base, or the more outspoken people of the fan base, are like middle aged men. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they, I'm sorry, like, you're just not the target audience anymore for these yeah. films. Uh, looking at the prequels, they're like, Lucasfilm did a shitty job. So Lucasfilm got sold to Disney, and then they're like, Disney did a shitty job. And it's like, what do you want? Like, what's going to make you happy here? You can't be happy by anything. And then they're putting out too much Star Wars content. Okay. Now they aren't making any Star Wars content, and people are like, we need more. Okay. (laughs) Two, this is a whole other can of worms that we're not going to get into with these because it's way more prevalent in the sequels, but there's such like a sexism bias with Star Wars and Mm. in the fandom and like how that plays out with Rey in um, the sequels, which that's Mm -hmm. not for this one because really like the only woman in this franchise and these ones is Padme and like no one 
really has, like, a big opinion on Padme and these. I don't think people will ever be happy, no matter what stories they choose to tell moving forward. I think it is a sense of nostalgia for people who have these as their original, where I think I will always be kind of biased towards these because these are, like, my originals. But I will never say, like, nothing will ever top these because I think the sequels topped these. So I have, like, more of an open mind to, like, where these want to go and not having, like, set in stone of this is what I want. Right. I don't know. I did have a recent interaction with a middle-aged man. I'm not sure how old he is. And he saw, I have a Star Wars poster. I have a Last Jedi poster behind my desk in my workspace. And this man asked me, he's like, I'm going to ask you a question here and I will like judge you on, or, and like, this will, or, and he was like, and I'll judge you on this. What do you think of the prequels? And I was like, why the fuck is that any of your business? I mean, you can ask me like if I like them, but why are you going to be like, but I'm going to judge you on it. Yeah, that's gross. Because you already are setting up then that I should say that they're shitty and I'm not going to say that. So, like, are you going to say that I have, like, no taste because I like these? Like, these were my originals. Sorry yeah. I'm not 50 years old. Yeah. Like, I hate you that. You don't want any new- I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed with him. And now it's kind of, like, tainted me a bit. I'm like, bro, like, I don't want to ever talk about it with you because I know you're not going to, like, then see my opinion as being valid because you already, like, think that it's invalid because I like these. I don't think, like, they want Star Wars to have any new fans either, which I, like, don't get. You want younger audiences starting to like these. You want, like, each generation to have a set of films Mm -hmm. and, like, the sequels just did that like they opened star wars up to a new generation and right like, the prequels opened up star wars to a new generation i'm sorry what child wants to sit down right now and watch a new hope a yeah. new hope does not look that great because like you said katie they're trying to do a lot when the special effects were not there yeah or but they might that, if they see like the prequels and stuff and get really exactly. interested in it they might go back and want to watch it Where it's, like, if you're going to either show A New Hope or, like, The Force Awakens to a kid, what are they going to be drawn to? Like, The Force Awakens special effects is, like, way better. Yeah. I just... I like being an outsider in the fandom of being, like, I'm a fan of these, but I, like, am not really involved. Like, I don't really try to read that much, like, opinion articles within Mm -hmm. Star Wars writing and stuff because... Honestly, I think it's just filled with a bunch of hate, and I'm kind of just like, Mm. what do you people want? Like, just enjoy these movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is really too bad. Like, and I think I've seen some parents be like, I love that I can enjoy these movies and, like, take my kids to see these movies, like, when the sequels were coming out. I think that was special for a lot of parents who, like, grew up with the originals and everything. And, I mean, the prequels introduced you and I to... The series, in a way, like they introduced Michaela to to film and like her love of movies and stuff. So like, why is that a bad thing? This might come off as hypocritical if you like listen to other episodes in the podcast because I am one to be like, why are they making another one? Like, it's just a money grab. I'm kind of a cynical girly, but I don't like it when adults are like well back in our day we had like i don't know the brady bunch and that's always gonna be better than spongebob or whatever that's a horrible 
example. But I just, like, I don't like it when adults are like, you can't like that because it's not compared to what I had when I was younger. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. The world is completely different. Like, nothing is like it was when you were younger because we've evolved. Like, we're human yeah. beings. And thank God things aren't the way they used to be. Looking at Star Wars, I don't see it as a money grab versus, like, pitch perfect yeah having like pitch perfect one two and three why did that need three movies (laughs) you know like that's a money grab to me in like my mind where this universe there is just so much to explore that i think every single time you'll get a new fresh look on it Mm -hmm. which is why i think like star Wars. like i only hope for star wars to continue on for years and years and years and like obviously i don't think disney is going to stop making star wars content because they know Mm -hmm. it's i mean look at the mandalorian right now yeah people are like eating that shit up and it is really good that's a good point that you brought up like with this world similar to like harry potter there's just endless avenues to explore and like people want to know more about certain characters or certain you know origins of certain things so there are just like endless possibilities and ways for people to take it i would argue creators who are creating things within the star wars universe need to be careful and i would hope that they genuinely care about the story and the fan base and like genuinely want to tell a good story because to me it's obvious when things are just like a money grab and they really don't care and like things come off as disingenuine or like not that great there's creation for like the sake of creation and like continuing this world for future generations and then there's like creation for the sake of money and like knowing that this is a profitable form of storytelling and like world that people are interested in i think when you look at the sequels there's a balance of that of in the force awakens of acknowledging the origins and the nostalgia and almost leaning into like the certain like cash grab moments where then last jedi i feel like is really diving into the world and rise of skywalker has more of a balance of that. Mm -hmm. Is there any other character in this series that you would enjoy seeing a backstory on or like a more in-depth view on? Because I know we had like Han Solo or whatever. And don't say Kylo Ren. That's the only one I want. Oh my God. What would there be to tell? No, no, no. No, no, no. There are two. There are two. Wait, Katie, sorry. What did you say? I missed what you just said. What would there be to tell? Like we kind of already got his backstory, I thought. No, going back to the beginning, I want to see him as a boy getting literally abandoned by Han and Leia and sent off to work with Luke. And I want to see him training with Luke and seeing Luke be like, oh, I think I'm going to try to kill you. And then seeing like that explosion at the temple and seeing him run away with the Knights of Ren and like become Kylo Ren. You don't want to see that, like that moment at the I end guess, of yeah. Revenge of the Sith, when you see the full Darth Vader suit get put on, I get chills every time. Like when that helmet like clicks in and it goes, yeah, ah, I scream. It's so good. Uh, I want to see. I want a full Kylo Ren backstory. I want all of it. But also, I would love to get a background on Poe Dameron. Mm. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I guess like this, the because there obviously had to be like little moments again that like mm-hmm. built up to then when he sees like Luke almost trying to kill him, like that being the straw that broke the camel's back. So it would be interesting to see their relationship leading up to that point. Who would you? Is there anyone that you would like to see? I don't think so. I mean, I I do want more Padme, but I don't know like what that would really look like. 
I don't know. I'm not specifically in this series, but I would like to see a Lord Voldemort origin story. I will forever be down for a villain backstory. A story following a morally gray character. I feel like we get a lot of that in books, which I love, but I feel like in film we don't see as much. We really, there is more distinct lines between like good and evil on film. Because I think that's what is easier to portray on film, where in writing we can get like the head of a person. It's easier to translate everything yeah and like obviously you see heroes having faults like even when you look at any superhero movies or harry potter or hunger games like you see these heroes have these moments of weakness or these dark moments but you really never almost dropped my laptop off my bed but you never really once look at like harry potter and be like oh he's morally gray or captain america or the hulk or superman you know like they're not morally gray characters yeah katie i have a kill fuck mary for us oh god and this is not gonna be an easy one like i wasn't gonna be like anakin because obviously we already know the answer to that chancellor palpatine jar jar binks oh my god and yoda (laughs) okay i would kill jar jar (laughs) and i would oh my fucking god i would i would have fuck yoda and mary chancellor palpatine oh my god no ew katie no 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 why would you want to marry palpatine just curious he'll be my sugar daddy With those crusty hands? No, thank you. I would kill Palpatine because there's no way I would ever want to see an extra inch of that man's skin. He disgusts me. Marry Yoda because I feel like he, I could just kind of be like, yeah, go away. Like, he would at least be like probably a decent roommate. Um, And then I'd fuck Jar Jar just once, get it over with. Oh, no. Be done with it. (laughs) I would kill that mother. I want to kill him. Me so Jaja Binks. And then lastly, what execution animal would you want to face? Would you want like the tiger thing that goes after Padme, the rhinoceros looking thing that goes after Anakin, or the like weird spider, not spider thing that goes after Obi-Wan? I think the rhino because I don't know. The tiger like scratched her on the back and that like literally gave me chills. And he seemed to be able to tame the rhino not saying that i would be able to do that but the spider thing is freaky so Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess the rhino what about you i agree it would have been the rhino because the cat i wouldn't the scratch too that Mm -hmm. gets me every time and i don't like the multiple legs spider thing has too many variables at least if the rhino was like killing you it'd probably be like a pretty quick ish death yeah i'm just a stomp and you're done Overall, I think, like, the idea of watching someone that is, like, the OG villain, like, the most well-known villain ever, like, grow from a young kid to the point of where that moment you were talking about where that helmet clicks in and, like, he is now Darth Vader. It's just, like, such a cool idea and such a grand idea and, like, really large undertaking would I like certain things to be like really hard hitting and like really emotional that aren't necessarily like at the caliber of how I want them to be even like at that moment when he becomes Darth Vader like the music isn't really doing it for me I don't love the choir of people like singing a requiem type chamber music song like I want the like 
I want it to hit really hard and it just I want them to remake these like <laughs> I don't know I think it'd be interesting and I want Timmy to be the main character people need to chill when they hate on these movies because there are really strong moments and I think people miss the point I think it just does such a great job of humanizing yes. a villain and it's fascinating to watch and like you said, I think there are moments that they could have packed it a little better, but I think overall, I like them, and they kind of did what I wanted them to do in terms of Anakin's character. They obviously could be better, but I don't think they deserve the hate that they get. No, definitely not. Thanks happy birthday to you, everybody. Say happy birthday to Michaela because it is her birthday and she's 24. Subscribe to our Popcorn Chats YouTube channel. If you're audio streaming this, you can get a visual only pre-show on our YouTube channel. Exclusive content, we're talking about The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and our thoughts about that. It's a great time. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, because we post updates about this podcast and other fun stuff. And mm-hmm. follow Michaela on TikTok because she does painting and book stuff and that's just a great time or subscribe to our individual youtube channels so much stuff to plug good job to anybody who voted guys i'm so proud of us we won we fucking won and that just shows that good will always prevail over evil you know we can't just stop fighting now like we have to Mm -hmm. keep advocating for black lives and trans lives and all lgbtq community lives and women and like if we really want to generate change like now is not the time to cool it cool it good all right girlies peace and blessings stay well stay safe wear a mask lilas lilas